Bombing down Poinsettia, Chapter 4. Method Acting. Next couple of weeks between Angela and I were typical. It was all bedroom. I mean, I thought it was strange that I could never get her to spend the night with me. And for that matter, I wasn't allowed to spend the night with her. Mm-mm, never, not once. She'd come over, we'd hit the sheets, and then she'd take off. I mean, I'd want her to stay, but she'd always leave, always seem to have another agenda, always something going on. If we fooled around at her apartment, she'd kick my ass out of bed, sent me home just as soon as we were done. As a matter of fact, one might call it a man's dream to, you know, have a good-looking woman to scream and then leave him alone, but, you know, I guess I want a little bit more than that. Yeah. This was the first anything with brown skin I'd ever touched before, and I was real happy to try something different in the zinger box. I wasn't looking for an exclusive relationship or anything, and I don't think she was either. It's still just nice to wake up next to somebody in the morning, isn't it? Maybe she just enjoyed having a bed to herself. Some people are like that, I know. Yeah, maybe I read too much into it, but then again, maybe I fucking didn't. Yeah, there's a lot of things Angela and I never did together. For instance, we both had telephones, but we never had one telephone conversation. Not fucking one. Not even to say, hey, it's raining. Are you doing okay over there? Nothing. We never sat and watched a movie or a TV show. We never shared a meal with one another. No shit. I'd run dope, get laid, that's it. Once in a while, I'd just get laid, and there'd be no dope running involved. That was nice, but usually, you don't involve running a kilo somewhere. <laughs> I mean, I'd invited her to do stuff with me and Mark a couple of times. Mark hated it, but I'd invite her anyway just to be nice, and she always ducked out. <laughs> hey, I'll say this about Angela. She was a bossy little shit. Yeah, I can verify that. A bossy, hot-tempered little Puerto Rican. Always looking to be in fucking charge all the fucking time. I can't recall a single relationship I ever had with a woman where I was required to bathe with her. Every fucking time she took a bath, I had to fucking be in that bathtub with her. Yeah, we had to share a meal, but we had to share that fucking bath every time she bathed. Doesn't matter that I just took a shower, Okay. She never took a shower, ever. Only baths. And I had to be in the fucking tub with her. Once again, I'm not bitching. I'm not bitching. But you know, showers are fucking nice. One time I'd just come out of the fucking shower and had gotten completely dressed and was sitting on the sofa listening to music. Yeah. She walked out of the bedroom naked for a beer in the kitchen. Come on, Stanley. Let's take a bath. I fell back on the sofa. No, Angie, I... Just got out of the shower. Now you're going to get in the fucking bath, she said, walking back to the bathroom. Mark used to get so fucking mad. We used up all the soap. The water bill was through the fucking roof. Over the following weeks, it became obvious to me that Angela was no casual drug user. She was directly involved in narcotics trafficking. I mean, I wouldn't say big time. I wouldn't say, you know... But definitely involved. I know that because I got involved. That's right. Unfortunately, it wasn't long before my dumbass (laughs) 
started running drugs in the most dangerous fucking town in America. I was getting laid, okay? And that was enough. Comprende? I was fucking 18 (laughs) and really getting laid well. Facts don't lie. I ran dope on her behalf. This is true. And it all began with a simple trip to God only knows where. Angela said her mom was in and out. Her dad lived somewhere else. God only knows where. And she never had her car available. So I was going to have to give her a ride. We loaded up my old gray Ford Granada. We headed north on Maine. I didn't know where the fuck we were going. Mark and I had driven through the industrial end over there on the west side on our motorcycles. Yeah, which in and of itself can be scary. But this time, under the instruction of Angela, I started making a lot of twists and turns through a lot of windy fucking streets. I don't know where we were. I don't know what fucking town is a beat-up-looking neighborhood. Pulled around a corner to a parking lot of garden complex, garden apartment complex. Made Don Dominguez look swank. Yeah. I mean, the place was real dumpy, run down. Exterior was sandstone, I think, chocolate in color. Different sections of the cheap, thin metal railing that had lined the upstairs walkway was either bent, broken, or completely missing. I pulled my car into the parking lot, and right up front at the bottom of the stairwell was an empty spot, Yeah, right at the mouth of a vestibule of two ground-floor apartments. And an open set of steps leading up to the second floor. As I pulled up, I left the car running. Angela and I sat there for about a minute or so. She didn't say anything. I didn't ask anything. I watched as she combed her long brown hair over one ear with her fingers. Brown eyes stayed locked. One of the apartment doors at the top of the stairs. After a little bit, she reached up to the handle and opened the door. Stay in the car, she instructed me as she got out. Don't move. Okay. I'll be right here, I answered, just before she slammed the door. I watched her walk towards the stairs. The thin black man was walking down. He looked to be in his early to mid-twenties. I remember he was wearing a plain white t-shirt, brown pants, leather shoes. As him and Angela passed one another on the stairs. There was like a brief exchange, like a just an acknowledgement more than pleasantries. I didn't hear what was said. I don't even think they said anything, but you could tell they obviously knew one another. After the exchange, Angela continued on up the stairs, and the guy who just walked down the stairs walked the length of my car to the back passenger door, opened it up, and got in the back seat and closed the door. My car! I didn't know this guy from anywhere in my fucking life, but he had just opened my car door and sat down in the back seat, got in. He's in my fucking car. Angela's upstairs. I didn't even see what door she went in. As if that wasn't bold and bizarre enough, the man didn't say anything when he closed the car door. Not a fucking word. Angela was upstairs doing God only knows what. Well, I got a complete stranger and the parking lot of the shithole apartment's not saying anything, just looking straight ahead. I was as confused as I was intimidated. 
was I supposed to do something? Or I couldn't just sit there and not say something. I put my right arm up on the top of the seat and turned and looked at the guy. Everything okay? Slowly, he looked over at me without saying a word or a change of expression on his face. No emotion. No emotion at all. Zero. He stayed silent, too. He just stared at me. Honestly, I I didn't know what the hell to do. I just kept staring at him. He continued to not answer. Yeah, I blinked first. After a few seconds, I let my right arm slide back down from the seat and look forward toward the stores Angela had just gone up. I had to get the fuck out of there. What the fuck was I doing there? That's all I could keep thinking. Slowly, I could feel the hair in the neck rising. I was starting to get mad. This wasn't good. Fuck. No place to lose yourself, Stan. You got a bad battery? The man's deep voice finally cracked. The break in the silence startled me. I looked back over my shoulder again towards the guy. What? Without turning his head, his eyes glanced over at me. You got a bad car battery? No, I replied, a little pissed and confused. Turn it off, man, he ordered. He was so out of left field, I didn't know how to respond at first. Turn it off? I mumbled. Yeah, man, shut the shit down. Pussy was the best possible road I could take. I was an 18-year-old red-headed white guy. And God only knows what fucking town in front of the shithole apartments with the silent socia fucking pass sitting in my back seat ordering me in my fucking car. Eh, I turned it off. Even if I ran, chances are it would only get worse. Turn the keys back till the car shut off. I left him in the ignition, though. Damn it. After that, me and the man, we both sat silent in the car. Uh, two minutes. One, two minutes. It wasn't forever. Long enough for fucking me, though. Angela finally come out walking downstairs, their bag over her shoulder. Before I could even react, the guy in the back seat was already out. He closed the door. I was actually very, very, very relieved to see Angela. As she neared the bottom of the stairs, the dude in the back seat that had gotten out walked back up. As soon as she opened the door and got in, I said, what the fuck is going on? I didn't understand what the hell had happened, but I wanted some answers. Angela slammed the door without saying a word, started rummaging through her bag. We leaving? I asked a little frustrated. Yeah, she said while going through the contents. Why'd you turn the fucking car off? That was run numero uno. Yeah, pretty tame by some standards. But I had read just enough in the papers and seen enough on the news to be absolutely scared shitless. If you don't know nothing, know nothing. And the best fucking thing is to mind your own fucking business. And the least you know, the better. I should have been absolutely mortified to go back over to the shithole apartments again, but I did. 
Angela needed another ride. A few days later, I took her back over. We arrived at the complex. I was surprised to find the exact same spot, the exact same parking parking space, the dream space right in front of the vestibule up front was wide open. And you bet your ass, I was instructed to park right there, and I parked there once again. I put the car in park. I turned the fucking motor off this time. I'd expected the same routine. I was waiting for the guy to come back down, except this time Angela said, come up with me. Wow. Okay. The invitation was a surprise. You sure it's okay? I asked a little stunned. I watched her slide out of the passenger door in her white denim pants and stand up next to the car. Yeah, come on. We got out and we both walked up the stairs. Angela led the way. I followed close behind, keeping a watchful eye on her butt. Reached the top of the stairs. Somebody was waiting for us. We got there. The front door opened just far enough for us to step in. The apartment was dark, to say the least. Angela walked right in. I followed. As we entered, the person standing behind the door stepped out and closed it behind us. Somebody had pulled the living room drapes closed, and there was obviously shit in the window to block out that morning sun. Angela and I stood there on the small tiled front entrance of that dwelling. I mean, I could see a really big guy sitting broadside in a beat-up recliner right in front of us. He might have been in his 20s or 30s. I don't know. I didn't really look at him. I say he was big because he could have been a linebacker for the fucking Rams. He was huge. When Angela and I walked in, he never even looked over. He didn't even speak or even acknowledge us. The apartment didn't look domesticated at all. There were no portraits that I could see, plants, nice furniture, any signs of family life. The walls were bare. A couple of shit sofas didn't match or lined up against two walls under the closed drapes. I saw a lot of legs. Sitting on those sofas were some, I would imagine, serious young men. The entire room was quiet when I walked in. There was no music, there was no chatter between the guys, nothing. Thank God my dumb ass had the brains to just keep looking down, kind of. I didn't say a fucking word. I didn't look anybody in the eye. You can bet your ass my peripheral vision was definitely working overtime. As I realized, this ain't the place to be a smart ass. This is not the place to make a mistake. Call it a moment of clarity. I mean, I could feel the eyes on me. Those guys had to have been wondering, what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck is that snow-white red-headed kid doing in here? It didn't take long for somebody to emerge from a bedroom next to the dining room. Angela stepped forward. The two of them had a muffled conversation. I'm back out after a minute or so, and it was over. We rolled. We walked out, there was somebody standing outside, and they come back in. That's how all that shit began. I wasn't a player, but I sure as fuck don't excuse myself from the shit I did. Just the shit I was around was enough. I was smoking and snorting at that time, and running sacks and packages and boxes and all kinds of shit. In the handful of weeks followed, I drove to more places to do more trades. I mean, nothing was as fucked up as that first place, but still probably just as dangerous. I don't know. 
During the course of those transactions, she had introduced me to a guy I'll call R.D. R.D. was a medium-built man, probably in his early to mid-20s. He was pretty deeply involved in the trade up there, I'm guessing, but he might have been the guy she had spoken with in the dining room at the uh, shithole apartments. I bring up R.D. for two reasons. One, I liked him. He never treated me like shit. I know I didn't have his complete confidence, but he never treated me bad. And two, I thought he was really smart. If he was a member of a gang, and I'm sure he was, he didn't look like it. He sure as hell went at great lengths to fly under the radar and not be seen. I mean, he always dressed real neutral. He'd wear simple sweaters, new pants and shoes. His hair was always well cut. He drove nice cars and vehicles. No R.D. personally, you'd probably think he was a student at UCLA or something. Yeah. In all those meetings I had with him, I can't recall once ever seeing him wear colors or anything that would have indicated gang affiliation. I'm I'm speaking completely out of ignorance, but at the time, 1988, eh, I figured that was smart. Good way to fly under the radar. R.D. would always call me Angie Man. (laughs) He knew my name, but he never used it. When I showed up, he'd say, what up, Angie Man? (laughs) When I'd leave, he'd say, be cool, Angie Man. (laughs) I mean, I knew it was a slight. I was busting my balls because... Yeah, I was Angela's bitch. Just say it. Yeah. It sucked that he he had to remind me every damn time I saw him, but so be it. <laughs> I didn't know how to say no. That's how come I got involved in this shit, folks. I got involved in this shit because I didn't know how to say no to Angela. I should have said no. I wouldn't have gotten laid anymore. And that probably would have been so much better for me. Could have said no. To this day, it's amazing to me that I had the sack to drive 1,600 miles to a new town with not more than $300 in my pocket, but not enough balls to say no to a five foot three Puerto Rican. I'd been taken off work and shit. I was on the verge of losing my job. I came home from a run-up to CRD and, well, there, there was Mark sitting in the carport behind her building. He was sitting in the space where he normally parked his car on a brand new Kawasaki street bike. 600, I think. That old red car of his was long gone, nowhere to be seen. I couldn't believe it. Mark had a new street bike. I got it on my Granada, somewhat elated. What the hell is this? I bought it, he declared. Are you shitting me? I shot back. No, he smiled back. Got a good deal on it, too. Damn, Mark, it's beautiful. I'm really happy for you. He had a huge grin on his face. I watched Mark as he ran his hands over the long leather seat and gas tank. I'm sick of the hour-long drive it takes just to get to work, he complained. Now I can drive in between the cars like those other guys do. (laughs) Of course, he was talking about the motorcyclists in L.A. Metro. No matter what time of the day, if the traffic is gridlocked, you can drive right in between the cars. Yeah, Sometimes you can fly right by between the cars at a high rate of speed if you have a death wish. 
Mark knelt down in the carport to examine the tires on the bike, and I continued to look over in admiration. Can I sit on it, man? Yeah, Mark invited with a sweeping wave of his hand. You can drive it. Oh, hell no, I replied, throwing my leg over the seat. This is your bike, man. I'll just be happy to have a sit. Sitting down on that Kawasaki, I have to admit, having grown up on dirt bikes and Enduros back home, it felt great. I ran my hands down the center of the gas tank and over the handlebars onto the grips. <laughs> now you've done it, Mark. I want one, man. Mark busted out laughing, slapped his knee, and <laughs> hell yeah! We can drive to work together. We can go cruising around town. I sat there smiling at Mark while he danced around in the carport. It was great. For the first time in months, I was excited about something. I was excited about getting a motorcycle and hanging out with my friend Mark again. The die was cast. I was getting a fucking bike. And the only place I could get one was Hollywood, California. Jessica called me from her aunt's back in Lakewood when she got wind of me wanting a motorcycle. Yeah. She told me about a guy she knew who worked up at the rock shop in Hollywood selling one. According to Jessica, the guy was a 30-something-year-old burnout named Javier. <laughs> uh, Jess called him Javi. She partied with him a couple of times and had overheard him talking about the motorcycle he was selling. Well, I called the rock shop to verify the story. The guy who answered the phone told me where I could find Javier out back and confirmed he was indeed selling a Triumph. Part of a triumph. <laughs> Whatever. As long as it ran, I said. Oh, yeah, it runs, the guy swore. Fine. With Mark's help, I got myself a map, a bus pass. Yeah, and I hit the fucking bus line to Hollywood, California. After an hour or two of bus hopping, I arrived in Hollywood and began the short walk over to the rock shop. Back then, rock shop had already reached legendary status simply because of all the famous rock stars who had worked there at one time or another. I arrived at the small boutique and walked in. It was the only time I ever visited the store. The rock shop was filled with any and all accessories and apparel you'd ever need for your rock and roll outfit. Whips, clips, jackets, bags, chain spikes, leather, lace, belts, everything hanging on the walls from floor to fucking ceiling. After a quick look around, I approached the guy behind the counter and asked him about Javier. He directed me to a group of apartments not far off the Walk of Fame, led to a collection of buildings out back, then climbed a short flight of steps up to Javier's apartment. When I got there, I found the front door ajar, so I just walked in. Javier, I called out. Javier's home was a dingy little place, clouded by a musky odor of Liquor, incense, and bong resin. Carefully moved down the hall to a tiny living room and found Javier passed out on a small sofa. Ooh, more like a love seat. He looked like shit. Javier was definitely somewhere in his 30s. I found him sprawled out over that small couch thing, wearing black pants, biker boots, a vest, no shirt on underneath, and he was out cold. Front door open. 
decades of hard partying were evident through the lines on his face. Man, this guy was definitely at the end of the rock and roll return line. The glitzy glam days of his youth were long gone. He just didn't know it yet. I intentionally coughed and wrapped my knuckles on the wall of the living room. Hey, started from a deep sleep. He flinched in a hard jerk in motion. Whoa. Uh, You Javier? I inquired. Slowly dug his elbow into the back of the love thing sofa and pushed himself up trying to come out of the coma he had been in. That's my name. Where's the party? Not amused. Got right down to business. Yeah, I'm here. I heard you got a motorcycle for sale. Jessica sent me. Yeah. (coughs) Yeah, he coughed while swinging his feet to the floor. Who told you that? Jessica, I answered. I'd see him smile as he found the lighter he was looking for on the coffee table. Plucked a cigarette from a leather case and popped it in his mouth. Uh, I like Jessica. Grown slightly impatient, not in the mood to fuck around. I, I persisted with business. Right, hey, that bike you selling, does it run? $600, he growled as he took a hard puff. How much do you want for it? 600 Pulled a small wad of cash in my pocket and fanned it out on full display. Oh, shit. I've got 175. Javier looked up at the cigarette protruding from the corner of his mouth. His eyes were squinted as he looked at the money, trying to focus on the offer. Sold! (laughs) Immediately, I shoved the money back down from my front pocket. If it runs, I'll buy it. It runs, he assured me as he rose from the... Let's go. We both ventured down the stairs and back outside where the bike was parked. There it was. Wow. Yeah, it was definitely a thrown-together bike, but cool-looking. The gas tank was leopard-skin print painted. There was a mural of Sid Vicious and Nancy Spongin shooting heroin on the side of the bike. Batman emblem on the other side. It was covered in a ton of other stickers and shit. But when Javier threw his leg over and kick-start the motor... Fired right up. Wow. The motor sounded good. How are the brakes? Good. I gave Javier the money. I guess he really wanted that 175. He did everything he could to close the deal, including throwing in this story. True. Axel Rose had worked at the rock shop just a couple of years prior. And according to Javier, the bike had belonged to him. Ah. Just like Bruce Lee, just because you meet him, he might have farted on the bike, but did he really drive it around? Then again, you never know. I don't know. I left never seeing Javier again. The drive back to Carsonau was one of the freest I could fucking remember. I hit the 110, and yeah, I loved it. There was just something more pleasant about running dope for Angela on the motorcycle. Yeah. I mean, Mark and I were hanging out and going places, doing things. Went down to San Diego to see the Del Coronado Hotel. Went into Mexico. We'd drive around town to and from work all the time, having a blast. And when I wasn't out going to work and having fun with Mark, I was running dope for Angela. Yeah. 
It's also about the same time I looked up the legendary actress, daughter of Lee Strasberg, Susan. I mean, one of the reasons why I come out to Los Angeles is to try to find her and study method acting. So, well, I did the only thing I knew how to do back then, which was pick up the phone and call information. (laughs) Yeah. Oklahoma boy living in Carson picked up his home phone, called information, and the operator was kind enough to inform him the only Strasburg living in the area was an S. Strasburg in Beverly Hills. And I said, that's it. She gave me the number. I paced around the living room for an hour or so. And then I made the phone call. I left my name. I left my number. We had Mark's answering machine, so I was covered there. I didn't even know what the fuck I was doing or why. But if she was auditioning... And if there was a shot that I might be able to join her class, I didn't have much in the hand to put on the table. But I knew I could act, and I wanted to learn method acting. So I left a message for Susan, and I awaited the phone call. Meanwhile, like I say, I continued running dope for Angela. Met R.D. one time at a Burger King, went in there, ordered a burger, got it to go, but sat down at the table. We even did drug trades in the Alpha Beta, right up the street at Carson. It did not end. But I was still hanging out with Mark, having a good time. I was, I even allowed American Ensign to put me through a drug rehabilitation program. Yeah, I was wearing a lot of hats. <laughs> it was crazy. Anyway, Mark and I, we were, we were tighter than we had been in a long time. I remember one day I'd been out running for Angela, come home. It was almost dusk by the time I made it back to Don Domingos. Mark must have anticipated my arrival because he met me out at the carport as I pulled up and parked my bike next to his. Let's go get a couple of 40s and go for a drive, man, he remarked enthusiastically. Without hesitation, I fired my bike back up. The two of us went to the L.A. Viaduct. Set on one side of the huge concrete embankment and chugged a couple of 40-ounce beers. While we sat there, Mark told me that he hated Angela. He had never confronted her and been mean to her or told her what he really thought of her, but the truth was he didn't like her. I suppose he hated to see what his friend was starting to become. He might have blamed her, but it wasn't her fault. It was mine. She's going to get your ass in trouble, Stan, he said, as we chunked our bottles down to the waterway and walked back up to our bikes. We're killed. I'm only saying that because I care about you, man. Cut my hand over his shoulder to show camaraderie, if you would. Thanks, man. I'm being careful. I don't think you know what you're doing, he protested. I pray for you every fucking day. It froze me what he said. I couldn't believe it. How do you respond to something like that? I let my hand 
fall off his shoulders. We got to the top of the viaduct. You pray for me? Every day, he said, looking me right in the eye. I pray you get the hell away from her before something bad happens. She's not going to stop. And by the way, I pray for her too. I was damn near despondent. Thanks, Mark. Thank you. It was all I could bring myself to say. I didn't understand why I was so taken back Why, what he said to me. We started our bikes up and we drove back to Don Dominguez. It was just still hard for me to believe that anybody really give a fuck. Mark was getting ready to move out on me. Yeah, he had had enough. He was gone, but... I found out that night he was my friend. It was about 2.30 in the morning when I woke up in my room to a tremendous amount of noise and chaos coming from both inside and outside of our apartment. I, it was hard to tell exactly where the noise was coming from. Deafening chop of helicopter blades thundering right outside my bedroom window. This bluish-gray light that bounced unevenly around the edges of the window drapes, illuminating my entire room. The bellowing screams of men accompanied by the sounds of crashing furniture. What sounded like doors being kicked off hinges has taken place just on the other side of my closed bedroom door. Holy shit. I immediately shot straight up in bed and looked over at the closed bedroom door. What the fuck? I didn't have any clothes on. I was completely naked. Yeah. So I stood up, grabbed a pair of work pants lying on the floor and put them on. I walked over to the bedroom window, carefully parted the drapes for a look outside. There were cops everywhere. They were all in tactical gear, shotguns and shit in their hands. I mean, you better open the fucking door, asshole, or we're coming in! A man's voice yelled from the other side of my bedroom door. Yeah, I forgot about what was going on outside real quick and immediately let go of the drape and turned around. Holy shit. It was obvious to me the police were here for me. Hey, I did exactly as the guy ordered. Wasting no time, I stepped right over the fucking bed. When I opened the door, I was real careful to keep my hands in plain fucking sight right in front of me. As soon as the door opened, I got shoved or knocked to my ass. I really can't fucking remember. All I remember is a fist clenched around. The hair on my head pushing me down while I was simultaneously being kicked and fucking hit. That's all I remember. Before I could even resonate what the fuck was happening, zip ties were being cinched around my wrists and ankles while I was simultaneously getting hit from all directions. All over the fucking place on my back, my legs, my ass. We got him! One of the officers yelled while pressing his knees down into my lower back. I'd imagine that was because of her fists around my neck. The apartment was pitch black dark. Beams from flashlights were swirling every fucking direction. On the floors, the walls, the overturned furniture. Yeah, I was trying to recognize my own fucking apartment. Everything was fucking flipped upside down. 
I could kind of make out what was going on in Mark's room because the back door was open. Everything in his room was completely upended. I tried to look around and put together what the hell was going on. What did I do? I asked in a raised voice. Immediately, I was struck in the back across the shoulders with what felt like a baton. It didn't hurt mega bad, but it did hurt. Shut the fuck up, motherfucker! An officer barked. You know, for a split second, I was afraid my wife back home had turned up murdered or something. I didn't know. In my mind, I was going through a Rolodex of shit. Yeah, past instances that, you know, might have spurred the treatment I was getting at the moment, but nothing I could think of justified what the fuck was taking place. Was Angela dead? Did she get shot or something? I mean, she had just been over that night for a fuck or two, and then, as usual, she left. By the way, where was Mark as these police officers were just pushing me down in the hallway between my bathroom and my bedroom, face first into the carpet, constantly hitting me and kicking me, telling me not to move and shut the fuck up. Where the hell was Mark? Why wasn't he screaming? (laughs) Must have been Catholics get off scot-free night. Yeah, cops didn't carry me through the Don Domingos apartments. No, they drug me through the fucking Don Domingos apartment, starting with our apartment. I got a real good look at Mark's room as they drug me through it over the fucking upturned furniture and shit. Back door leading to Mark's room had been completely kicked off the hinges. Why? What the fuck did Mark do? His chest of drawers had been knocked over. Drawers were pulled out. Clothes were everywhere. Cops are still slinging shit. Pair of pants landed on my goddamn head. Seriously. I'm glad they slid off. Had they noticed it, I would have gotten tasered for stealing. Those fuckers drugged me half drugged me halfway down the fucking stairs before they finally picked me up by the ankles and the wrist, carried me the rest of the way to the patrol car, me threw me in the back, face first into the fucking floorboard. The whole time I kept mumbling, What did I do? What shut the fuck up? I'd only been in L.A. for three months, folks. All this shit had happened by month number three. So there I am, my ankles bound up behind my back with my wrists. A couple of police officers got in the front seat of the car I'd been thrown into, and they started driving away fast. I didn't get a seatbelt, so I'm rolling and sliding all over the fucking back of the car. Yeah, face first in the fucking floorboard. It was tough, but I managed to maneuver my upper body back up on the seat. I couldn't sit up, but at least I was out of the fucking floor. The officers were discussing some shit as they drove, but I couldn't identify any part of the conversation relating to me or what had just taken place, so I spoke up. Officer, please tell me what's going on. Shut the fuck up! The cop driving yelled. That's right, shut your fucking mouth, the younger guy said. I figured shut the fuck up must have been a standard departmental response when you asked why you had been arrested and were on your way to fucking jail. (laughs) Yeah, this is only my second brush, the LAPD. I hated them. 
You know, my time in the back of that police car, eh, it didn't last very long. I'm guessing we may have been only driving for a few minutes. Suddenly the radio cracked. The Thorda voice screamed, bring him back. After a brief exchange on the radio, the officer driving made a quick U-turn. They drove me back to the Don Dominguez apartments. I was really fucking puzzled now. What, do they forget to plant dope on me or something? You know, you figure if a good police officer made an honest mistake when arresting and beating the shit out of an innocent guy, and I didn't get the shit beat out of me, but I got beat. Just the same, fuckers. Well, you think the cops that did it would be a little remorseful when they found out that they had the wrong guy? Wrong. Fucking wrong. You're goddamn wrong. They don't give two flying fucks whether you're innocent or not. You take your beat and keep your fucking mouth shut. <laughs> you know, the very assholes who bound me with zip ties, struck me repeatedly with fists and batons, dragged me over furniture through my own goddamn house. They showed absolutely no remorse. When I got back to the complex, they pulled me out of the back seat and slammed me over the hood of the patrol car. Slammed me. Fucking... That hurt too, fuckers. One of the pricks really took great joy pushing my face into the hood while his partner asked, What's the address here, motherfucker? 19802 South Main. I remember the number well. 19802 South Main. That's all I kept saying. I rattled off our apartment number. I don't remember what that was. but Upon hearing that, they cut the zip ties, bound my ankles and wrists, Then one of them nice fellows grabbed me once again by the back of my hair, grabbed me by the back of my pants, shoved me towards the direction of my own apartment. Don't let me see you again, motherfucker. Hey, you have a nice evening too, cocksucker. You don't have to watch from the corner of our carport as police cars drove away. Walked back to the apartment completely at a loss for what had just happened. I had no fucking idea. Oh, I was happy to see we woke up the whole fucking apartment complex. That's nice. I gingerly made my way up the steps to the front door. It came as no surprise the front door like the back had been kicked off the fucking hinges. Yeah, I stepped over it and entered our residence. Clothes. Books, bathroom, towels, along with broken lamps, furniture, and her stuff scattered everywhere. As I entered, I saw Mark sitting on the floor in the center of the living room without a shirt on, drinking a beer. I picked up an old T-shirt, and it was just got belonged to God only knows who on the floor. Just a, a tin of the skin was kind of broken on my wrists and ankles from the zip ties. Mark heard me, looked over, smiled, threw his beer in the air and a full toast and said... Welcome to Los Angeles, Stan. That'll wrap it up for Bombing Down Poinsettia this week, Chapter 4, Method Acting. Be sure to join us next week for Chapter 5, right here, same time, same place. And, of course, Stan the Joke Man show is going to be back on Friday, high noon. Until then, bye, Candios, me amigos. Inside.